Hey, welcome again to Cross Creek. Good to see you guys that snuck in while it was dark. That was awesome. Proud of you for that. Hey, uh, if, you, if you missed it, my name's John. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are starting a new series called Adulting 101, Better at Life. So you are here for the, the opening of a new series on a new year to get a new you. We'll get there, guys. Don't worry. Hey, uh, special welcome to you if you are watching online. We uh, are so glad you're watching. We know people check out churches uh, sometimes for a year online before they actually come and, and join physically. Let me just tell you, if you're online, we love that you're there, but you miss some awesome music. And that doesn't really transfer through the computer, which is why you didn't get that part of the, li- the live show. So we're glad you're watching. Um, also, if you're watching online or if you're here, we are, again, accepting um, new signups for our Connect groups. We actually have people who watch online that are part of a Connect group that I've never met, but they go to a Connect group weekly and talk about the message, and they are fully part of Cross Creek. They just can't make it on Sunday nights. So um, you guys here, you can do both. So that would be cool. Anyway, um, Happy New Year. You guys excited for 2019? Yeah, you will be. You will be after this. <laughs> uh, you guys make any, any resolutions? Anybody make New Year's resolutions? One of you. Good. Two of you. Okay. okay. See, there you go. Thanks for at least making it up so I felt better. Did you break your resolution yet? Yeah. See, resolutions are great, aren't they? Like, there's this, there's this optimism about it. Like, this year is going to be the year that I finally, or that I stop, or that I buy... Or that they stop, or that they give me, no. I love, I love resolutions, the optimism of it. It's like this new year, new fresh start. But why do, we, why do we make resolutions? Why is that a thing that we do? Like for some reason, this fake, you know, this fake calendar tells us it's a new year. Somebody decided it was now, you know, 2019. And so we're like, okay, I'm going to change my life now. Why do we do that? I think ultimately... It's because we want to have that fresh, we want that fresh start. We want a better life. We want to have a better, happier, more successful life. And you're going to find something out tonight. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know. And here's the first thing I'm going to tell you that you don't already know, or that you do already know. (laughs) We all want a better life. We all want a better life. And that's okay. That's a good thing to want a better life. But as we all know, getting there is hard. I mean, that's why we can make those jokes about New Year's resolutions and how we, you know, how we already gave them up and it's, you know, only January 6th. Because we, we've all been there. We've all made that resolution and then given it up and like, oh yeah, I'm going to have a better life. I'm going to be, I'm going to be this, this, that, and oh, I gave it up. Ha ha ha, that's fine. But as a kid, think about that, that fresh-faced optimistic, you might say naive, but you're a cynic, uh, that, that young kid you were growing up. You never said, you know, when, when I grow up, I want to feel like my life is totally out of control. You never said that. When I grow up, you know, I just, I want it to feel like I'm just going through the motions to get through each day. That's what I want life to be like when I grow up. Or you know what? I want to give up my res. I want to be a quitter when I grow up. That's going to be awesome. And then we can make jokes about it and just give up on our dreams together and then just kind of settle and it'll be awesome. 
But isn't that how so many of us end up just existing in life? We just, we just get through it. Our goal really becomes just making it through another day without everything completely falling apart. Or, you know, trying to stay in that happy zone, that happy place for as long as possible until, like, normal life comes and knocks you back down to, well, okay, here's, here's our routine again, right? That's kind of what my last month has really been. I'm, I'm going to gripe to you guys. This has kind of been my last month of happy and not so happy, happy, not so. So it all started the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Yes. We come home from California, and our beloved dog of over 10 years barely gets up to greet us. This is going to be a great story. It's a, it's a country song. So we, we eat our dinner coming home from our vacation, and I take the dog to the vet, and the dog doesn't get to come home with me. We had to put our dog down. I know. That's why I'm telling you this, so you feel bad for me. Okay, and then, you know, so that was not fun to get used to. Right and a little, you know, and my it was colder in our bed because she would snuggle and stuff. But then, um, you know, fast forward a couple weeks and it's Christmas and that's fun and the kids are all excited about their stockings more than like the presents that we spent a lot more money on, and that was cool. And then we get the flu. We get, I, yeah, we get knocked down with that, and I I'm in bed all of last Saturday, which is God's timing is awesome by the way, because we took last Saturday off. And so this is the first time I've ever been sick as having, you know, being the main teacher of a church type thing. And so, and it was the Saturday we had off. So it was a great vacation. Even like blew a blood blister in my eye from, <gasps> you know, sorry if you're sensitive, but I had a picture. I'm not going to show you the burst eye thing. All right. And then it's Christmas break and we have young kids. Our oldest is about to turn six, and then we have a four-year-old and a two-year-old who will be three in a couple months. And there's something about, I didn't know this, because our oldest is in kindergarten, so this is like the first time we've had them home from school for Christmas. Kids suck at Christmas break. <laughs> I mean, they are just exhausting. And we're like, yeah, it's Christmas break. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, my gosh. You know that song, um, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas? And there's this line that I never really got. Mom and dad are, well, can hardly wait for school to start again. I'm like, oh, I get that. But then they add this like maniacal laugh after that part. <laughs> it's like, they, I, I didn't get it. And now having kids, my eyes are open to the real world. Right? So there, there, there's our Christmas break, right? Excited for school to start tomorrow, which will be hard to get him out of bed, but that's his problem. And then, so our kids are being rough, we, we go to a, last, yesterday, we go to um, a dear friend's birthday party with the kids, and they were actually good, it's like the first time they were good in two weeks, we're like, that's awesome. Um, so for dinner, I'm like, we're going to treat the kids, this is how, don't judge my parenting, okay? This is how we treat the kids, we're like, hey, I say, mom, you stay home, take, you know, get, get a couple breaths, I'm going to take the kids to the grocery store, get them Lunchables for dinner. Right. So again, if you're judging me, your New Year's resolutions needs to be stop silently judging people. <laughs> but, so we go, we go get that. I get some ice cream. You know, we do all, we, we get some good stuff. The kids are really good in the store. It was awesome. So we're in the, in the minivan, which is also awesome. <laughs> Who knew? Ten, ten years ago, me would not mesh with this guy. Anyway, so we're, we're driving home. You guys know the Beehive Station? 
The food trucks, by the way, awesome place, great people there. I'll explain that in a second. But anyway, so we're driving, and I have a red light, and then it turns green. So I start going. Well, this person over here wanted to go too. They didn't want to stop. And so they, <coughs> excuse me, they smashed my car. Yeah! Just me and my three kids having a great adventure. Ah, that's, that's a smashed car. Anyway, so, you know, the, the kids are screaming and stuff, and it's just me, and we get out of the, out of the van, and um, I, our oldest is like, we don't have a car anymore. <laughs> and like, we're going to, everybody was okay. Everything was good. You know, we were, we were fine. The, the youngest was so mad. I'm holding her. She's like, I want to go home and eat my Lunchable. <laughs> but then uh, this lady named, I don't know her last name, but Emily from the Beehive Station. I think she was working the, the, the beer cart. That's why she's so nice. Uh, <laughs> came and like gave my kids blankets and stuff and like so the boys are standing there with a sharing a blanket looking like you know natural disaster survivors and stuff standing on the corner we have friends who drove by and saw our van and was like oh I wonder who that is and just kept driving <laughs> you know Jesus told a parable about people like that and that's it <laughs> we had some friends come and and check on us which was nice and great and thank you for doing that um, but everything was good, and now, according to my daughter, we're getting a pink car with pink windows, and that'll be awesome. And I tell you that story just so that, you know, you feel bad for me, so if this message doesn't go well, it's, it's okay. No, um, that's just life, right? I mean, it doesn't always come barreling at you, but it feels like it, right? I think a lot of times our life feels like that. 2010 Volkswagen Rutan with heated seats and a DVD player. <laughs> Gone. Oh, I didn't tell you the worst part. I know that's bad, but I got a new sweater for Christmas for my wife, and I loved it, and it made me look like smart and thin. The airbag burned a hole in it. I know. So if you, any managers from Old Navy watching, it was the green one with like the short, anyway. So here's the thing, though, because that's just, that's just life. I've got good news for you and good news for me. That's not the life. This life of just things happening to you and just like, oh, 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 right? That happy, sad, valley, hill thing. That's not the life we were made for. In fact, God wants you to have a better life. I'm not saying an easier life. Don't misquote me. Don't write me an email. If you want to write an email, write Monica Fiedler at yourcrosscreek.com. <laughs> I'm not saying an easier life, but he wants you to have a better life. In fact, Jesus said, I came so that they, us people, they may have life and have it to the full have a full life. And if you've been here like maybe once before, you've already probably heard me quote that verse because that's what Jesus said. I came that they have life and have it to the full. He wants you to have a better life. Not easier, but better. But it doesn't just happen, does it? A better life doesn't, doesn't just happen for us. I think that's why most of us, most people don't, don't live up to their own expectations, don't live up to their own resolutions because we expect life to somehow be, to be easy. And when it's not, we complain. And for some reason, we feel like things are supposed to fall into place 
for us. You know, if we, if we just keep our head down, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe do the same routine over and over, someday something will happen, something will change, and life will be good. But it's not true. That's not how life works. I mean, even finding that right person, even getting that, finally getting that dream job, or maybe even, if you've done this, come talk to me, but even winning the lottery doesn't ultimately give you a better life if you don't know how to adult. If you're, if you're over 40, that means like being an adult, but we just call it adult because it's shorter. If you don't know how to adult, how to do the adulting thing, life will not get better. We have to work at it. We have to work at it. So to have, <clears throat> to have a better life, we have to be better at life. You have to work at being better at life. Being an adult or becoming one. I know some of us sitting here are not adults yet. You wish you were. Someday you will be. If you want to actually enjoy it, actually have it be what you hope it will be, this series is for you. Put this into practice now. But being an adult is hard. But we can do better. We can be better. And that's why we're doing Adulting 101. Maybe you know this stuff. That's great, but you're not, maybe you're not doing it. I, think, you know, I know the stuff we're going to talk about, but I'm not doing it yet. I probably wasn't supposed to tell you that. That's why I write these messages and it takes me forever because I have to figure out how to do it too. But we can learn and we can put into practice a few principles that will help us be who we really want to be. Now, not, like I said, not an easier life because life still is hard. But being better at life, having a better life. And you might be sitting there, especially if you're like, you've grown up in church and stuff, or you know, you're like, hey, what's Cross Creek all about? I want to judge them and watch them online. You might be saying, hey, this doesn't sound like church. Thanks for the compliment. And just stick, you'll see. Okay, it'll, it'll get, not churchy, but it'll, you'll see. So whether you're a Jesus follower, whether, you know, you got somebody, Drag, dragged you here, drug you here, whether you're watching online, I think these principles, these next four weeks will actually, if we can put them into practice, they'll help us adult like pros, like we actually are, you know, on the inside, what we look like on the outside. You know how you feel like you're still 16, even though you look like you're, well, you know. In fact, one of the first steps in learning how to adult, I think, is actually tucked away in a 2,000-year-old document. And it's something that I think that we can actually learn from how to be a, a modern adult today. It was written by a guy named, the, we call him the Apostle Paul. It was written to um, a young guy actually named Timothy. It's, it's a letter that we call the book. It's just a letter that Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy. Uh, it's called, the, it's his second letter he wrote to him. So we call it Second Timothy. Right? And if you have a Bible, you can turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. If you don't, don't worry about it. We're going to have everything on the screen so you know what we're talking about. But uh, the Apostle Paul actually ended, started, we see him first show up in history as a Christian hater. He hated the church. It was actually, he took it on himself to destroy anybody who said they followed Jesus. And then he totally does a 180. He meets Jesus. His life is totally changed. And he becomes the guy that like, wrote, writes most of the New Testament. He starts churches all over the ancient Mediterranean world. And he just he basically changed, changed the world. And so he's writing to his, his young protege, Timothy, and teaching him basically how to lead 
a bunch of Jesus followers and what that's like. And so what we're going to see is Paul is writing to a Jesus follower. So I have good news for you if somebody dragged you here and you're like, I'm not a Christian. Oh, I don't know why I'm at church. Everything Paul writes, you don't have to do. You're off the hook. You can sit back and be like, oh, sweet suckers. No, but you'll... Here's why I think it's good you're here, because these principles, I think, apply to everyone. But you don't have to do any of this. Anything that's a command in the Bible, if you're not a Jesus follower, you're, you just get to be like, hey, that's interesting. That might be good for life. But I think it really will apply, apply to all of us. And Paul's going to use this soldier metaphor in this, in this letter. And a lot of times, guys like me love to just camp on that soldier idea, and the ladies and other people just aren't into that. It's like, oh, that's nice, oh, a soldier, I want to be a soldier. No. The reason Paul's using this soldier analogy is because he, he used it a lot. He knew soldiers. You know why he knew soldiers? Because he was chained to them a lot. Paul was in prison a lot for telling people that Jesus rose from the dead. And so he uses this soldier mentality because he's, he's looking at a soldier and being like, hey, this is what it's like to be a soldier, and here's my example. Because Paul didn't have an easy life but he had a great life. In fact, he had an impactful life. He changed the world. You might not know it, but Paul helped you at your wedding. He's the guy who wrote, love is patient, love is kind, and you took it out of context in your, in your wedding because it sounded really nice. But that's okay. Paul's okay with that. So that's, that's Paul. And so he's, he's writing to Timothy, talking about suffering and how to, how to you know, really, how to, how to suffer well. And he gets to this this interesting little verse that we're going to read. 2 Timothy 2.4. He says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. And I think there's a, there's a little tidbit in there for us on how to actually get through this life successfully, how to be better at life. He says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled, such a good word, entangled in civilian affairs. You think of this Roman soldier, right? They're not running for local politics. They're not, you know, picketing because somebody said something on whatever Twitter was and wrote something on the wall. Right? They're not trying to start a business. They're not trying to like, oh yeah, man, did you see that new chariot? I can't wait till I get that chariot. And man, the ladies are going to love riding that chariot. No. They are a good soldier. They aren't distracted by all that extra fluff of life. They ate, slept, breathed soldiering. That's what they were like. Because they knew at any moment their life would be on the line. If they're distracted, they're gone, right? This isn't like, you know, hey, push a button and lob this missile. This is like a sword that big, and that's your life, is using that sword to keep yourself and your friends alive. And if they got caught up in civilian affairs, they'd be useless, they got caught up in what's going on around them and their, and their, their, you know, their neighbors' lives and that kind of stuff. It, they wouldn't be a good soldier. In fact, in, in Britain, when the Roman Empire was, was uh, ruling the bottom half of Britain and they had this wall called Hadrian's Wall, the reason it collapsed is because the soldiers started getting involved with all the locals. And they said, hey, you know, oh, no, I want to you know, marry that, that, that Celtic person or I want to you know, get involved in that business, make some money on this side. And so the enemies came down and... Basically, the soldiers just let them through. Same thing with the Great Wall of China. That's what happened. It wasn't conquered. The soldiers just got distracted by entanglements in everyday life. See, now, most of us aren't soldiers. 
Some of you are, and thank you very much for, for that. But most of us aren't soldiers, and there's, there's nothing wrong with civilian affairs. I mean, that's our life, right? We're civilians, and we go about not having a... That, doing stuff. But I think this principle plays out so clearly in our lives, this entangled thing, right? The main reason we don't have better lives, the main reason we don't have better lives is because we allow unimportant distractions to entangle us. The reason we can't have that better life we want to have is because we get entangled, we get distracted by unimportant things. It happens all the time. And so I think the three biggest entanglements that derail us, that keep us tied up, that distract us from the life we want to have, the life we actually can have, the life Jesus said he wanted for us, are, are these three things. You don't have to, we don't have it in the notes. If you're a note taker, you can write it in the margin. But these are the three things we're going to talk about. The entanglements that keep us from having, from being better at life. The first one, which we'll talk about next week, is poor relationships. See, when you're dealing with a difficult relationship, whether it's you know, a relative, I hope you had a good holiday, uh, a neighbor, a coworker, a spouse, when you are enmeshed and when you are entangled in a poor, bad relationship, can you really think of anything else with your life? Like it's just constantly eating at you, constantly grabbing at you, constantly taking your attention away from who or what you want to be. You're not really free to excel in your life. So we'll talk about that next week. Another entanglement is poor money, poor money habits. Right? If your money situation is completely out of control and the debt collectors are calling and you know, you're, you're worried about getting your car wrecked and all that kind of stuff, you're not free to actually live your life. You're not free to, I mean, if, if you're dealing with money, that completely engulfs your thinking and your life and your, and your relationships. And they kind of all entangled together, right? And then finally, poor work life. These are the three things we'll be talking about in the next three weeks. See, if you dread going to work or you dread going to school, getting up in the morning and having to go to work, going to have, having to go to school or having to do whatever you have to do in your day, that's not a better life. I mean, who wants to live like that? Oh, you know, everybody's working for the weekend. It's a, it's a nice song. And it's true. And it's no way to live. So we'll be talking about specific principles in all three of those in, in this series. But before, before we get to the nitty-gritty in those specific life areas, I think Paul gave us an overarching principle that will allow us to start truly being better at life. And it's in, it's in this simple little verse, and we, we already read it. We'll read it again. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. What do they do instead? But rather, tries to please his commanding officer. Why why didn't Roman soldiers get entangled? Because their goal was to please their commanding officer. They had a goal that they were focused on and committed to. They knew what their job was, to do whatever their commander said, to follow orders. And so to be better at life, I think we need to identify and focus on our goal, to have a goal for your life to focus on it, to commit to it, to, to actually lay it out and say, I identify that goal, that is why I am doing what I'm doing, right? And so just like, oh, I'll do that because I feel like it. Oh, I'll do this because I feel like it. That's how we mostly live our lives, right? What feels good right then. We don't have a, um, a filter to be like, why am I deciding this? 
I mean, why do so many resolutions fail? Because we're not focused on our true goal, right? You want to lose weight? Why? So I look good. So I'm healthy. That's nice. That's, that's good. Those are good. But I think the real goal maybe for that is it'll make you happy. It'll make you happy to be in your skin. You'll be able to be more involved in the lives of your loved ones because you'll feel better. See, that's an ultimate goal. So what happens when, when something else offers to make you immediately happy, to distract you from that goal, like those donuts? Well, if you don't have a goal, and you're just like, I just want to lose weight, but these taste good. This will make me happy right now. That'll make me happy, but this will make me happy right now. Instead, if you're focused on your ultimate goal, power, doesn't it? Say, that might be good for like five minutes, but this will be good forever. And I'm not pointing to myself that this will, you know, but I got to work on it too. When you focus on your ultimate goal, the, the distractions, the entanglements lose their power. It's the same with drinking less or, or less screen time. If you know and focus on your ultimate goal, maybe to be in control of your life, to be in control of your choices, then the distractions lose a lot of their power. Now, for a Jesus follower, if you're sitting here and you, you say, yeah, I'm a Jesus follower, I follow Jesus, the ultimate goal in life, as Paul's saying, is to please our commanding officer, to please our loving father. Again, if you're not a Jesus follower, you're off the hook on this one. You just get to kind of listen in. So we, we please our commanding officer by following the rules. Man, I knew it was that kind of church. So we're this soldier, and God gives us orders, and we follow them blindly, and no, that's not, I mean, maybe sometimes you trust your good father when he says something you don't understand, but that's not what it's about. It's better than that. It's a lot harder than just blindly following rules, because it says we, we go to please God, please our commanding off. What pleases God? What's his command? What did our officer, what did our commander command? Love each other as I have loved you. Might be simpler having to follow all these rules, but it's a lot more demanding. So honestly, the best life, we'll talk more about this tomorrow or next week, the best life is focused on others. The best life is focused on loving others. It's not about us. It's not about what we want and what we can get. In fact, Jesus calls it something like denying your Self, not denying yourself, but denying your yourself, you that makes you you, your wants and the things you think you need. You deny that because you are focused on others. It's not about what you can get. And so the best life, the, the way to please our commanding officer is to answer this question with every situation in life. What does love look like? If our command is to love each other as Jesus has loved us, then in every situation, what does love look like in this relationship that seems to be going poorly? For me and how I respond, what does love look like in this? How, sh how should I use my money? How should I use my money? Well, what does love look like? Yeah, but work. I mean, how can I like, succeed at work? How can I actually like, be successful at work? I mean, that's, that's regular life stuff. It might not make sense right now, but we'll talk about it. What does love look like? 
Honestly, it even works with like, like weight and food and screen time. If your goal is pleasing God by loving others, having a life that is characterized, defined by loving others, you're going to be better at life. So what do you want your life to look like in a year? I want to have a new car. (laughs) But there's more than that. What do you want to look back and see? Just another year of doing the same thing? Like, what was 2019? I don't know. It just felt like all the others. Maybe just surviving. Or would you like to be able to look back and say, wow, my life might not be easier. Things might not have gone my way, but I am better at handling life now. I mean, two years ago, the stuff that happened to me this year would have just totally thrown me, and I would have been a mess. But now I, I, was, I got through it. God got me through it. I was better at life. In fact, my life is better because of it. Not because it's easier, but because I was better at life. So let me challenge all of us in this first service of 2019. I know you're hoping for this, but your kids have to do it tomorrow. Let me give you your first homework assignment. All right, it's it's your turn. So I want you to ask yourself this week three adulting questions. You're an adult or you're almost an adult. You can ask yourself these questions. You can ask your spouse if you want, but that's not the assignment. It's for you. These, ask yourself these three questions. First, what is my ultimate goal for the year? What's my ultimate goal for the year? Take time to think it out. There, you might have more than one, but try to narrow it down to what is the ultimate goal for that? What is the ultimate goal for this? What do I want it to be? And then write it down. Because written goals become tangible realities. You can get that tattooed, it's fine. Written goals become tangible, it actually becomes something you can touch and see and aspire to. Like for me, I was thinking through this, what do I want? What's one of my ultimate goals if I narrow it down? I want to be a better husband, I want to be a better parent this year. Well, that's nice in general, but what if I narrowed that down even more? I want to be more present with my family. Like when I am with my family, they know I am with them, right? I'm not like in the same room, but we are together. We are a family. That's my, one of my ultimate goals for this year. So then ask yourself this, are there distractions entangling me? And this ultimate goal, is there something that's keeping me from it? Are there distractions that are entangling me? Is there something keeping you from being able to pursue that goal? Something that makes you feel like maybe you don't even have the time or the energy to focus on being better at life. Don't try to solve it yet. Just identify it. What is your entanglement? And then write that down also. Know your enemy, right? So that's, a, that's a thing people say. Know your enemy. For me, right, if I wrote this down, which I did, be phone. Right? I can be with my kids. I'm still checking my phone. And I can say, oh, well, it's for work, right? Because, you know, I get emails and da-da-da-da. So what if it's for work, right? That's, I want to be with my kids. Oh, but, you know, I want to watch TV. That's, I want to watch, no. Well, I don't really have the energy to play with them. Well, let's fix that, right? How do I get more energy? Don't tell me exercise because that just wears you out. But... So answer, identify what's your distraction that's entangling you, and then how could focusing on loving others make a difference? 
How could focusing on loving others make a difference? You don't have to be a Jesus follower to do this. It helps. It empowers you to do it. We'll talk more about that next week. But what would asking the question, what does love look like, help begin entangling you from those distractions? How would basing your life on loving others free you? And then write it down. For me, you know, is it loving to tune out my kids because I'm checking Facebook? I know I'm checking Instagram. I tried to get Snapchat. I can't understand it. I'm getting old. Is that, is that loving to tune them out? No, John, it's not. Loving my kids, loving my wife more, would mean actual more eye contact. Actually pursuing conversations. You know, with kids, you can't be like, how was your day? Good. Oh, good. Yeah, that was a really deep conversation. You have to pull it out of them. In fact, as, as you meet other adults, you have to kind of pull information out of them too. But we'll talk about that in the work one. So what does love look like? And see, and now you have your goal. You've defined some hurdles. And you have a tool to help navigate them. Aren't you glad you came? You're welcome. See, adulting is hard. It's just hard. But we can be better. We can have a better life. We can be better at life. Will it be easier? No. You probably won't have an easier life this year. I mean, elections are coming, so (laughs) you just got that to deal with. But it could and it can and it will be better and more fulfilling if we work at it. Wouldn't it be great not to have so many of those entanglements and be free to be who you actually want to be, to be able to enjoy being an adult? Remember when you look back, like, that's going to be so much fun to be on my own, and then you're on your own, you're like, man, this sucks. Wouldn't it be great to kind of recapture some of that? Like, you know what? No, I'm, I can handle this. To be able to look back and say, wow, I finally feel like I'm becoming who I was always meant to be. Come back. Do your homework and then come back. Join a connect group so you can talk to people about this stuff. Come back for the next three weeks because being better at life frees you to be who God made you to be. He came that you have life and have it to the full. Being better at that life frees you to be who he made you to be, who he wants you to be, the best life you can have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good Father, that you, you love us, that you're not just about, you're not about following the rules so that you don't smite us, but you're about us having a fulfilling life and helping others have a fulfilling life and showing love, Lord. Show us how to do that. Identify for us uh, as we actually first help us do our homework. And then show us, bring to mind the things that you want to show us and uh, the distractions we have, what an ultimate goal could be, then uh, what it would look like to love, Lord. Guide us through all of that and um, show us who you really are. In Jesus' name, amen. So I hope you guys have a great week. Maybe not an easy week. I do hope you have an easy week, but it won't be. Man, welcome to Cross Creek. But if you know it's coming, you can be better. Anyway, so hope to see you next week.
Work on your goals. Do your homework. There'll be a test. There won't be a test. It's church. See you later.